Hi, I'm Jane Stahl, retired high school English teacher and director of community relations at Studio B Fine Art Gallery in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. And this is the Be Inspired podcast. My guest and I hope that in the few minutes you spend with us, you'll be surprised and delighted to meet someone new, become aware of projects going on in your neighborhood, and maybe entertain a new way to look at the world. Look, we all need to keep our spirits up in these challenging times, and I can't think of a better way to lift up our spirits than to meet interesting, passionate folks and learn about what they're doing to make life better for all of us. And so, join me now for the Be Inspired podcast. Welcome, Be Inspired podcast audience. We're here today with Karen Paltrow, who my gallery director fondly calls Sour Karen, and she's going to tell us why in just a little bit. But Karen is part of our show here at Studio B called Still Roaring 2020. And I've had the pleasure of getting to know Karen in a variety of different ways, and I'm just amazed at the versatility that this woman shows not only in her artwork, but in also other forms of her life. And I want her to share the many ways she, she entertains the world through her art and through your brewing and through um, all the other things that you do. At any rate, I was struck on your web, in your website with uh, the statement that you began gathering wild plants and turning them into potions as a child and you said your first product was called huckleberry fin water which was wild berry lifesavers soaked in warm water so take us back karen and tell us a little bit about how you got started in that aspect of your life i grew up in the philadelphia suburbs and Uh, as soon as I, as early as I can remember, wanted to be outside more than I wanted to be inside. And my favorite places were the bushes in between the little suburban houses and where the rabbits lived and where the birds lived. And, and it was really extremely tame, as you can imagine. It was... Mm. They were they were hedges and but I loved uh, plants from a very very early age and I would find box turtles in the window wells and um, crayfish in the local creeks and just spent a, an awful lot of time outside fantasizing I would tie uh, ropes to my bicycle handle and pretend I was on a horse and. <laughs> I made a collection of stream water when I was old enough to go bike riding by myself and a few friends and we would just go to any any place there was water and uh, my dad smoked cigars and they often came in these really cool metal or glass containers so we would go out armed with this kit and uh, collect water and soil samples from these creeks. I have no <laughs> blessed idea what that was about. Although looking back, it was, uh, you know, um, just this compelling interest in 
in botany and 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 earth sciences and that interest eventually manifested itself in the my pursuit of um, clay work ceramics pottery and sculpture and i have a deep connection to when did you start okay so you made potions and you did took water samples and collected herbs yes mm -hmm. and did you i mean did you then go to world book encyclopedia and <laughs> learn about what these plants and things i had my first herbal in high school okay uh call peppers which is one of the older, more traditional, and I, I started spending a lot of time out on a farm in Chester County. Uh, they, this, this family was friends of my parents, and there were horses, pigs, chickens, cattle, um, hay, rye, and it was a working farm. And Ellie, the the mom, uh, grew this incredible garden and made every you know they they were really quite self-sufficient it was a it was a farmstead and so that was in seventh eighth ninth and tenth grade and i really learned a, a lot of skills and including butchering and no kidding um i mean i didn't learn how to do right. it myself but i was right. a participant and i um i made my first commercial product um I had moved to Alaska. I was a student at Penn State and I was a ceramics major and I <clears throat> spent when I wasn't in class or doing art homework, I was out in the woods and you know I don't know by this time I had an army of books about everything from lichens and insects and plants and um, I actually was kind of a self-taught um, learner and I, I did take a course called uh, it was a phys ed course credit called orienteering and survival okay. at Penn State but I made my way up to Alaska through some friends and wound up um, I set up a teepee um, on the banks of the Russian River in Kodiak, and it was underneath a balsam poplar tree, which we here call cottonwood tree. Okay. And in Berks County, it's planted as a windbreak on farms all over the place. And there's, uh, in the spring, it's called cottonwood because the female flower is this giant fluffy cotton-like thing that lands all over everything. And But the bud uh, exudes this salicylic acid rich uh, resin um, and salicylic acid is what aspirin yes. was synthesized right. from and it had this incredible scent and I went to the library and began to study about it and uh, I learned that you could make a analgesic uh, potion from it by soaking it in, in fat or oil um, I, tell me if I'm getting off track, but I, I'm still so connected to these things. So just a few minutes ago, my husband sent me a text while I was here on this interview. <laughs> and he said, what's that black, hairy turkey doing on the counter? <laughs> and I texted back and said, that's bear fat. Leave it alone. 
And um, so I had learned to, you know, just through my travels, learned to use all these different things, all the meanwhile making pottery uh, continuously and sometimes putting these products into my own ceramic containers. And uh, the bear fat, is, incidentally, is a, um, a wonderful animal fat that people have used for cooking, medicine, skin care, and leather care for ever. And uh, I get the bear fat from local taxidermists in the fall and I render it into a really pure, beautiful, clean fat and then I mix it with beeswax and essential oils to make a... Uh, Soaps and lotions? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, that and ceramics too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, a little bit, I know that you offer classes and workshops. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I... So, from this history, all this history from a little girl to going to Alaska and learning to do all that, and, that, and so, what are you offering now? I offer classes in all kinds of fermentation and in making... Uh, herbal body care products. So we sort of begin the cycle in the summer vegetable season, July and August or so, and I have classes at my studio in, it's in only, I have a Fleetwood address. The studio is huge and it's enough to safely accommodate individual workstations and I have a really good air filtration system so we can be COVID safe. But we start in July and we do, uh, we make uh, pickles out of cucumbers, we do fermented tomatoes, um, cauliflower, you, you know. And sauerkraut? Well, yeah, and the sauerkraut comes, uh, the sauerkraut ripens in more in the fall, September, okay. October. And when the cabbage hits the markets, I start the fall fermentation classes and we do root vegetables like carrots. Um, we do hot sauces. Um, we do fermented garlic. And so in an individual class, you would come in uh, and nowadays you bring your own vegetables, which actually works mm -hmm. out very nicely. And you get to your station and I uh, show, demonstrate, and explain, and you're essentially putting your vegetables in a, a selective environment, which is a salty brine, and let the natural yeast and bacteria on those vegetables go to work, and you get uh, more, more nutrition, uh, you get uh, amino acids, you get a concentrated level of, um, of uh, minerals, and you get the benefits of, of probiotics. Are you, do you offer classes year-round? Yeah, and then once the vegetables are uh, 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 taking a break for the winter, I teach classes in, in this sort of lotions and potions category. Okay. I teach uh, right now on my website, which is palchosproducts.com. Uh, I offer I've got six new classes scheduled and the first two are called healing herbal balms and salves so we make um, infused oils where you soak herbs that I provide from lavender to oregano rosemary calendula and you soak those in 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 oil like 
it could be coconut oil, it could be any vegetable oil like olive oil, it could be avocado oil, and then you blend those oils with beeswax and essential oils and you make salves. And so you leave the class with a couple different, maybe five different products. And then there's a lotions and potions class, which is a, um, a, a body lotion, a facial cream, an ancient vinegar-based flower tonic from Eastern Europe, and stuff like that. You don't like sit that. still, do you? Well, I sleep <laughs> nine hours a day, and I read for another three at least. I read for three hours, at do least three really? hours a day, so I do sit still. Wow. And I, I'm actually sitting Now, there. dare I ask what you're reading? I am reading a book called Pew, P-E-W. Um, it's a contemporary novel about a homeless young person who knows that churches are just about the safest bet for sleeping and sometimes getting handouts. And she is of indeterminate race and sex, and mm -hmm. she doesn't speak. Uh, she narrates the story. She's found by this uh, extremely zealous church outfit, and they are determined to um, figure out who she really is. Well, where do you get your where do you get your book suggestions? I read the New York Times book there you review. Go. I read the New Yorker. I listen to NPR, there and then go. Friends. That that pretty well answers it. <laughs> Okay, so, all right, that's the, uh, yeah, so you were a pottery major in college, and when did, and, and, and you went to the creeks as a young person and played in the mud and became enamored with the earth and the feelings and creating mud pies and things like that, okay, as I did too, but I never became a ceramist, so when did that happen? I was an early childhood education major at Penn State in 1978, and I was all signed up for my classes, and I went to go to the famous creamery where the, the uh, Penn State Ag Department produces all kinds of dairy-based products, and it's got this amazing ice cream selection, and I was on my way to get my first ice cream cone that passed <laughs> behind the ceramics and the sculpture studio. And wow. I went in and was just drop-dead, ready to go, and I changed my classes and became an art major, much to my parents' chagrin. My dad wow. said about the, the ceramics major, he said, is that like basket weaving? <laughs> and, um, and you said, oh, kind of. <laughs> and, and it was a really interesting time for ceramics. Ceramics was one of those macho, like abstract expressionist male, yeah. um, sculpture-oriented field in the arts at that time. Um, Peter Volkus and people like that had developed a reputation through the abstract expressionists and um, I was pretty macho myself and um, it was a thriving department. We had international, um, what do you call them, conferences and um, we, there were 20, 20 wheels and a dozen kilns and a glaze room the size of 
house and it was just a really really stimulating place to be and and so I learned uh, I learned I learned ceramics I learned how to throw and I learned how to hand build and I learned about glazing and all that and I just never quit doing it I, I graduated with a degree in art education and I professionally have been an art educator most of my life yeah and when did your parents accept that you were an artist and an art major once I had gotten my full-time job teaching. That always works, doesn't it? <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the artwork? Because we will showcase it in um, other ways, and certainly in photographs that will accompany this podcast but or Facebook promotion, um, promoting this podcast. But can you tell us a little bit about the artwork that's in this current show, Still Roaring 2020? Uh, the, there, there are two aspects of it. Yeah, I have, uh, there's a, uh, two hand-built sculptures that are very large, and they're old. They're ten, more than 10 years old. I showed them because they're related to our theme for this show in terms of women's empowerment, and because they had really, they had only been shown once, and I really wanted the chance to have people see them, and they're figurative sculptures that represent uh, both goddesses uh, and monsters. But what I'm making today, uh, and I'm in the studio between 15 and 35 hours a week, is wow. functional pottery, and I make it to sell, and I uh, throw the pieces on the potter's wheel, uh, there's stoneware, and I developed a a decorative technique that um, gives my work all a kind of a look. It's a, it's a, one of my friends called it a, com it, it was Hindu temple meets Berks <laughs> County, um, uh, folk art. Folk art, yeah. Okay. And I thought that was apt. So they're ceramic fermentation crocks that uh, you can purchase to put your pickles and sauerkraut in. They're lidded jars that are for holding herbs, spices, or just little knickknacks and doodads. And I, and, um, all of the things I'm making right now tend to have knobs that are uh, metaphors for little nipples. And yeah. I, I, I can never quite get away from sexual protrusions that were the f a big feature of my older sculptural work but yeah so I make plates bowls all um, kinds of functional yeah functional pottery, pottery plus some sculptures that have thematic interests of one kind or another I want to I just have to ask because I've wondered badminton the, the little badminton cocks. Oh, yeah. Do they, what do they represent? Do they? Or that's you mean the ones on that are on stuck your, to um, the... They're like clitorises, really, and nipples and okay. little penal. They're all sexual. I mean, I Thank didn't you. set out to... I'm just taking a look over there. <laughs> I didn't set out to, like, make a goddess. I was actually making... That's seed what I want to know. Yeah. I, I was making sculptures based on seed pods. 
And it's not a very far jump to go from a seed pod ovary to a female form. And and if you're, um, I'm a female, but I, I'm not real binary. I think that's maybe I just, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Um, I feel very much male and very much female. Yeah. And um, um, like I don't go saying, oh, I'm going to go make a pot covered with sexual organs. But yes. that's how it pans that's just, out. That's how it happened. Well, that particular sport was one of my favorites as a little kid. And I just wondered how it got to that particular sculpture. Thank you very much. No, wait a minute. Are you talking about the little engines <laughs> under her arms? No. Okay. Because no. those are kind of engines, but that's besides the point. Well, you've got to come see them. I mean, that's that's what we want to say today. Right. <laughs> You've got to see the art in this particular show, Still Roaring 2020. And I want to thank you today, Karen, for joining us on the Be Inspired podcast. There's so much to learn. What's your favorite thing to do? We've got all kinds of things that you do. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? I would say being outside, hiking. Making mud pies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Jane. Absolutely. Take care now. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Be Inspired podcast. If you enjoyed the Be Inspired podcast, please subscribe to be notified of new episodes. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And we welcome you to suggest people, projects, and perceptions that inspire you. What the world needs now is inspiration. Contact me, Jane Stahl, at studiobbb.org or stop by Studio B. More information can be found in the episode notes. We are eager to meet you and learn what it is you love. This is the end of today's episode. And I hope you find your way today to be inspired.